0: 6 5 4 3 2 1 0 all engines running commit flip off hey good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday September 30th. And it's a beautiful day here in Jacksonville. Not sure about Virginia or Mississippi or out west in Idaho or some of the other places we have people listening. Or over in England, uh, where we have some people listening over in England and uh, through the internet. So glad you guys listen. And uh, I'm real excited today. Uh, Today's guest day, usually Thursdays, we have a guest in and uh, somebody who has got resources or God's been using. Uh, in particular areas that we focus on. You know, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. We have five core values, God's Word, which is our authority and starting point, prayer, um, uh, you know, staying close to our commander, and evangelism, you know, being witnesses and uh, witnesses for Christ wherever we are and wherever we go discipleship, taking Christ's last command, making it our first priority, and community, a community, a band of brothers around the word. And that's what SWAT's all about. And I'm excited today because uh, we have a guy who has been uh, living out those values for, um, for a long time. He's based in Dallas, Texas, and his name is Mike Gendron, Mike Gendron, and uh, Mike, welcome to SWAT Radio. Well, it's good to
1: be on your show. I really believe in everything that you are doing because there is spiritual warfare against the truth today, and it's good to see a radio program standing firm, fighting for the truth of the gospel.
0: Well, Mike, you know uh, uh, Justin Peters connected us. Uh, he is a uh, he is also a warrior for the truth out there, and. Uh, you know, when I was I was talking to Justin, and I know he's up at the G3, uh, you guys, by the way, uh, when is that started already, the G3 conference?
1: Yes, I'm actually here right now, and it's uh, been going for two days, and some great messages, many of which are standing for the truth of the gospel and for the true Christ.
0: Hmm. Well, when you see Virgil Walker or Daryl Harrison, tell him I said hello. Phil Johnson, too. I know they're all up there. So uh, they're all brothers in the truth, and uh, we're glad. But I today, Mike, I, I'm excited to have you on because this week at SWAT on the radio, we've been talking about Simon, um, the magician, or Simon, you know, the guy from um, Samaria who was really – he wasn't a magician. He was practicing black magic, demonic magic, and he was a false convert. He never cared about Jesus. He only cared about the power of that he saw demonstrated. And you know, I I thought it'd be good for our listeners uh to hear from you because you walked around for a long time as a quote false convert, right?
1: Well I sure did. I was a Roman Catholic for thirty five years and I believed that I was a member of the one true church and I was trusting my religion to get me to heaven. I was utterly dependent upon the priest because it was the priest that issued the sacraments to me, and that was a means of grace. But uh, when I opened the Bible for the first time at age 35, that's when I realized I was woefully deceived about life's most critical issue, and that is, what must I do to be saved? And you know, the nature of deception is that people do not know they're deceived until they are confronted with the truth. Mm. And so that's what I did. I was confronted with the truth when I opened the Word of God, and I had a choice to make. Should I trust Christ in his word or the teachings and traditions of my religion? And as a math major, I knew analytically I could not believe both. I had to make a choice. And it's then when God granted me repentance, he gave me eyes to see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ. And my life has never been the same. He literally turned my life upside down. I have a new purpose for living now, and that is to share his gospel to those who are perishing, many of which are in the Roman Catholic Church. And that's where my real compassion is, to reach those who are where I was for most of my life, believing I was on my way to heaven, but yet destined for eternity and the fires of hell.
0: And, well, you know, uh, Mike, I I was listening to your background and your testimony, and we, we share a common love for baseball. I played baseball in college as well, and um uh, I, although I was not a rocket scientist like you were, uh, I know you were a rocket scientist at NASA as well. And you were pretty much living the dream uh, out there, weren't you? You had the Rolex, the Mercedes, and the Country Club membership, the Dream house You had all that stuff, right, when you were in that false religion.
1: Yeah, I had really everything the world had to offer me. And when the Lord saved me, I realized everything that I had accomplished so far was going to be burnt up in the end, and I wanted to devote the rest of my life to the things that last for all eternity, and that is the souls of men and the Word of God. So ever since the Lord saved me, that has been the mission I have been on. And as much happiness as the world offered me, there's no greater joy and to know the moment you die, you're going to be in the presence of your Savior savior forever.
0: Mm. Well, I want to let our listeners know, Mike has a great website with lots of good resources, one of which is a a DVD he offers called False Converts in the Church, and it's a double DVD. He's also got Witnessing for the Glory of God. And, um, Mike, I... On the picture, there's a picture on the uh, DVD cover. There, that wouldn't happen to be that church in Houston, Texas, would it? It looks like that, but I don't know if it is.
1: Well, Joel Osteen calls it a church, but we know it's not. Um, <laughs> well, that's what I thought. Page. I was,
0: I was, I, 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 I was just going to ask you, was it, was it that church? Because it looked like that church from the cover. I could, it looked like it. So.
1: Well, it's a picture of 30,000 false converts, because they're all gathered there to have their ears tickled, and Joel Osteen is there to make people happy instead of holy. And that's the mark of false converts. They're they're seeking the wrong motivation, which is exactly what Simon the Magician did. He had the wrong motive. He didn't want to be saved from the sins. He wanted the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he tried to buy it with his money so that he can have this power to uh, to demonstrate his holiness.
0: Well, you know, Mike, what do you do with people who say, "Yeah, but you know, I, I listen to it, and I, man, I, I really, I feel so much better and closer to God after I listen to him." How do you respond to well, that?
1: They may feel happy because, uh, you know, it's an ear-tickling message. It's a, to build up their self-esteem, so they leave the church or whatever they call it, the uh, pop psychology meeting. They feel better about themselves because it's a very positive message. Uh, I have listened to Joel Osteen a few times, and rarely will you see or hear him talk about man's sinfulness or the holiness of God. And of course, those are two necessary ingredients in the gospel that saves. The Joel Osteen will lift up the Bible at the beginning of the service, and rarely will he ever refer to it. And so a lot of these people are coming to Jesus for material blessings, for health, wealth, and your best life now, and Jesus said that's the wrong motivation. In fact, when they followed him in John 6, you know, there was a mixed crowd. There was believers and unbelievers, and Jesus had just fed the multitude with uh, the loaves and the fish, and now they were following him for another free lunch. But Jesus was offering spiritual nourishment, and they were not interested. They just wanted physical nourishment. And so that's the wrong motivation. We need to come to Christ with empty hands of faith, desiring to have our sins forgiven, to be reconciled to God, to be redeemed from the curse of the law and to have everlasting life with the Savior that's the right motivation.
0: Well, if you want to get the DVD False Converts in the Church which also has witnessing for the glory of God, you can go to proclaimingthegospel.org. That's proclaimingthegospel.org. Click on store and then when you click on store, you go to uh it'll it'll be DVDs. Um, it'll be in the uh, video messages on DVD. He's got other ones that that are uh, good, too, but specifically this week, we're talking about false converts, and I want to get to that with you, Mike, about the apostate church. You know, we we talked earlier in the week about this term deconstruction. That's a a term that's being used a lot in the last few years, which is really nothing more than a dressed-up way to call somebody an apostate. But you talk about, in one of your articles on your website, the apostate church. What do you mean by the apostate church?
1: Well, Scripture defines an apostate as one who departs from the faith. And when they depart from the faith, they're also departing from the Lord Jesus, and they're departing from any, any hope of salvation. And I think the most terrifying words any Christian could ever hear, and I'm saying that in light of those many professing Christians that have never been born again, but the most terrifying words a professing Christian may ever hear would be Jesus declaring, I never knew you, depart from me. And Jesus said that many will hear those words on the last day. And they came to Jesus for the wrong reasons and the wrong motivation. They were boasting in what they did in the name of Christ. And if you'll recognize the passage there in Matthew 7, they, de- they failed to depart from iniquity. There was no repentance. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the marks of a false convert. And uh, my, my heart is burdened for those who believe that they're Christians. They've been deceived because they've either believed a false gospel or they've been evangelized with an unbiblical means. They maybe have been evangelized man's way instead of God's way. Mm-hmm. And so we need to rescue these people. They're not only in the Catholic Church, but also in many Protestant churches. And we have to recognize our churches are a huge mission fields because there's so many speaker friendly churches in our country today that never hear a complete gospel. In fact, many pastors are taking the offense out of the gospel because they know that they can draw a larger crowd. But we have to recognize that every false convert is a work of Satan. I think his most cruel deception is convincing sinners that they are saved when they're not. And Jesus said that Satan would plant his pears among the wheat. And unfortunately, many of our church leaders are allowing this and even encouraging it. Jesus described pears as sons of the wicked ones, and the one who sowed them is the devil. And so this is how Satan is attacking the church and the gospel today. He recognizes he can do more damage inside the church been outside the church. And so this is how he does it. He plants parries in the church. Sooner or later, they grow up to be church leaders and elders and deacons and even pastors. So we've got spiritual warfare going on. We need to earnestly contend for the faith.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I, I as I listen to you, I'm just thinking about uh, people in the church. It, is there a difference between somebody who's, say, an apostate and somebody who's just an unbeliever, you know, somebody who who just doesn't believe. They've never believed. They've never professed a faith uh, versus somebody. I mean, is there really a difference between those two? Or I mean, because they're both damned, right? They both are condemned to hell.
1: Yeah, they're both um, on the wide roads of deception. You know, we see the first form of apostasy in the very first century in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, we see that some went out from us because they were never part of us. Mm. They went out from us because they were never born of the Holy Spirit. Had they been born of the Holy Spirit, they would have remained in the Church. But John says they went out from us because they never were part of us. And so that's the first apostasy in the first century. And we see how the Roman Catholic Church um, departed from the faith of the Apostles, to follow traditions of men. Many of them were pagan traditions that crept into the church in the 4th century. And you look at Roman Catholicism today, and they practice a lot of these pagan traditions that crept in from the 4th through the 16th century. And I must say that anybody that doubts whether or not the Catholic Church is apostate, all they have to do is look to the Council of Trent, which is the Counter-Reformation in the 16th century, And they will see officially and dogmatically that the Council of Trent was a departure from the faith of the apostles, because they also condemned, with over 100 anathemas, those who believe in the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And so this is not my gendron's opinion. You can look for yourself and see that it dogmatically departed from the faith. And unfortunately, many Protestant denominations are doing the same thing today. They're departing from the faith of the apostles. They're departing from the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're compromising the gospel. And I believe the greatest attack on the Christian faith today is an attack on the exclusivity and the purity of the gospel. Many pastors want to make it inclusive. They want to bring more people into the church so they can raise more money and have a higher profile in the community. They can be more influential, and they can be loved by all that that is not the Church of Jesus Christ. The Church of Jesus Christ preaches an exclusive gospel. In fact, the very words of Christ said, it is a narrow way, and very few find it. He said, many are on the wide road to destruction. And so just because there's a lot of Christian activity, and I put that in quotes, doesn't mean it's a true Church of Jesus Christ. It may be that they've got a speaker-friendly attitude, drawing the world into the church, rather than equipping the church to go out into the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe everything Christ has commanded.
0: Well, you know, uh, Mike, uh, one of the things that a lot of these people who are, quote, deconstructing say when they are—a lot of them are putting out YouTube videos and and social media uh, quotes and all kinds of things out there— And one of the common themes that you hear is, you know, I was taught in a very dogmatic way, you know, and, and, uh, since we, we can't know absolutely what truth is, we can't be dogmatic and you can't really hold, you know, the standards were from a long time ago and God changes and they love God, they say, and God's you know, they still would consider themselves some kind of Christian. I don't know what kind of Christian. It's not a biblical Christian, but you hear that a lot. How do we, how do people get to that point? I mean, I don't understand the, the whole apostate thing for people that know the Word, and they want to hold on to part of that. Do you see that out there a lot in your circles as well?
1: Yeah, I do. We're living in a postmodern era where truth is said to be subjective instead of objective, and Many people are saying truth is relative, your truth is just as valid as mine. But we know that the Word of God is eternal, it's forever settled in heaven. It is objective truth, it's the inspired Word of God, and it needs to become our authority in testing every man's teaching. And so we need to reject any teaching that does not conform to Scripture, and we need to uphold all the teachings that do conform to Scripture. But there are a lot of false Christians, and there are many... Christian leaders today that are compromising the gospel, I'm sure you're familiar with the ecumenical movement, Mm -hmm. and that is an attempt to unite all professing Christians together, and that would mean Catholics, Orthodox, Evangelicals, and Protestants. And you have to compromise the gospel in order for this to take place, because the Roman Catholic gospel is the antithetical gospel to the true gospel of Jesus Christ so the way they do that is through postmodernism and subjective truth rather than the objective
0: truth of the gospel. Mm. Well, on your website and your articles and by the way, uh if you're listening out there and you want some good resources, you can go to proclaimingthegospel.org and up at the top hit on the hit the equip uh tab and then go down to articles. He's got a blog, newsletters, Uh, other things there as well, but the articles are great. Uh, He's got one of the first ones is on apostasy, and um, he's got lots of articles. But, Mike, in that, you kind of go down and you talk about two streams of Christianity, either born-again or apostates. And one of the things that you see a lot in the, the progressives or what you call the postmodern is this idea of turning God's grace into licentiousness. Uh, it, have you seen that? I mean, I call it the hyper-grace movement, where you, you pretty much, it's okay, Jesus covered everything, so you can do anything. Uh, how do you address that when you're out there? Because I know you, you have to see it in the circles that you speak in, and people have to talk to you about it. Yeah, Jude
1: um, actually addressed that the grace of God into licentiousness. And, you know, he wanted to talk about our common salvation in his epistle, but instead he was moved to plead with Christians to earnestly, not passively, but earnestly contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. So we need to recognize that the apostolic faith was signed, sealed, and delivered in the first century. So anybody that adds anything to the apostolic faith is under the divine condemnation of God for distorting the gospel. We see that in Galatians 1, 6-9. And so not only is the Roman Catholic Church distorting the gospel, but there are many Protestant churches and denominations, too, that may give lip service to the correct doctrine, but in actual practice, they're compromising the gospel. And what they do is they take away the offense of the gospel, They don't talk about God's holiness. Righteousness and justice are the very foundation of God's throne. Very seldom do you hear Protestant pastors letting their congregation know that every sin that's ever been committed by every man and woman that's ever lived must be punished by a holy and righteous judge. He cannot let the guilty go free. He cannot let sin go unpunished. And so when we recognize that God is holy and that man is a sinner, and then their only hope is to put their trust in Jesus Christ as the all-sufficient Savior, that he is the eternal Son of God, that he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on Calvary's cross as a substitute for those that would put their faith in him. Three days later, God raised them from the dead to show that divine justice was satisfied, and then Jesus ascended into heaven, for now he reigns at the right hand of the Father, interceding for all of his children. He is the good shepherd watching over the sheep. And so that's the gospel. And the only response that is saving is to repent and believe the gospel. And unfortunately, the word repentance is left out of many gospel presentations. And that simply means from the Greek word metanoia to change your mind. In other words, if you were believing a false gospel, if you are on the wide road to destruction, you must change your mind. Get off that road and get on the narrow way mm-hmm. and believe the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Well, I, I one of your articles you talk about, uh, and you, you mentioned this earlier, about being deceived and not aware until you're confronted with truth. And you quote Harry Ironside, uh, who was a, a great professor uh I think at Dallas, right? Wasn't he, wasn't he, uh, also, a, uh, was he a professor at Dallas, uh, at one time? Not
1: that and, I know of.
0: Uh, I'm just trying to figure out, uh, sure. or was he not at Moody? Maybe he was at Moody. Was he at Moody? Um, Possibly. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. but he was, uh, he, he wrote some books and was a he was a, a servant of God and, and you quote him on one there. And I love the quote cause you say, Eric, Error is like leaven, which leavens the whole lump. Truth mixed with error is equivalent to all error, except that it's more innocent-looking and more dangerous. God hates a mixture. Could you speak to that a little bit? Because a lot of people out there, when they see error, if there's truth there, we kind of excuse the error. And I I don't—how do we as Christians deal with that? How do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, that's a real good question because— your listeners need to recognize that rat poisoning is 96% protein. So 96% rat poisoning is good for you. It's the 4% of poison that will kill you. And so if you mix truth with error, then it becomes error. And when you have a false and fatal gospel, that ends in everlasting death in the eternal lake of fire. And when you look at Roman Catholicism, I think this is a good example they have a thin veneer of truth that hides a false and fatal gospel. The Roman Catholic religion teaches the fundamentals of the faith, that Jesus was the eternal Son of God, who was born of a virgin, who lived a sinless life, who died on Calvary's cross, was raised three days later, and he come back to judge the living and the dead. Roman Catholics believe that, but underneath that is a false gospel that condemns people to everlasting hell. And so we we need to recognize that when you mix truth with error, it's no longer truth, and that's the way the devil op- operates. He mm. knows that people will not believe an outright lie, so he sugarcoats it with a little bit of truth in order to bait people to swallow the poisonous pill.
0: Mm. That's a good, good word right there. Well, uh, and we want to be discerners. We want to be like the Bereans. Well, listen, I want to give you that website again. It's called proclaiming the gospel.org. We're talking to Michael Gendron and Michael uh, has a great video uh, out there called false converts in the church. And it's a, it's a double video. It's got also witnessing for the glory of God. And you can get that by going to his website, uh, proclaiming the going to the store there and then going to video messages on DVD. And by the way, Michael, uh, uh, H-, H Harry Ironside wasn't on staff at Dallas. They had invited him to be, but he was a he was a lecturer there many times between the twenties and forties, nineteen twenties and forties. And I knew I'd heard Chuck Swindoll. I used to go to church out in Dallas at Chuck's Church, uh, the when he pastors out there. And I know he talked about him at different times. So, um, and you're a Dallas guy, right? Didn't you go to DTS also? Yes, yeah,
1: so I graduated in nineteen ninety one. And uh, uh, last semester is when we began this ministry 31 years ago. I have a great compassion to reach those that I left behind in the Catholic Church. And your listeners need to know that it's the largest and most neglected mission field. Unfortunately, many of our evangelical leaders are calling Catholics our brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're calling the Pope Holy Father and a brother in Christ. And, And so we need to set the record straight. Hey, well,
0: well, Mike. When we come, we we got to we got a break for the news. But when we come back, I want to I want to delve into that and get you to share a little bit that I've heard you share before about your your upbringing, uh, being an altar boy, and also your uncle and your ties to that. So you're not just speaking as one who's read about it; you've lived it. So we'll be right back on SWAT Radio with Mike Gendron. Uh, proclaimingthegospel.org is his website and he's going to be back with more right after the news on SWAT Radio. I'm just a no Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries It is Thursday, September 30th and we're almost into October Steve, can't believe that Isn't that crazy? We're going to be into October before no time Like tomorrow and, uh, Which means uh, my favorite day of the year Not Halloween, Reformation Day That's what we celebrate, Reformation Day, and uh, I think Mike probably celebrates that too. Our guest today is Mike Gendron. Mike, welcome back to SWAT Radio, and I'm so glad that you could join us. Uh, He is up at the G3 conference with our friends uh, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker, Justin Peters, Phil Johnson. Probably half the people we've had on as guests are up there, and uh, I wish I was up there with you, but I'm glad that you can join us. And uh, he's got a website called ProclaimingTheGospel.org. A lot of good resources. One in particular this week, since we're talking about false converts, is on false converts. Just go to store on his website. Click the link store and go down to uh, video messages on DVD, and you'll see one uh, on actually false converts in the church. And that's a great resource, especially in light of what we're talking about. Our, Our... teaching this past week uh, when we were at SWAT created a lot of controversy. Mike, when you start talking about false conversions, it makes people uncomfortable, doesn't it?
1: Well, it really does. In fact, I just want to say that anybody that orders the DVD will also include a publication that I wrote entitled True Faith or False Hope, How Can I Be Sure? And You know, it's really all based on the Lord's words in Matthew seven twenty three, the most terrifying words any Christian could ever hear. I never knew you, depart from me. But it's also based on the exhortation Paul gave to examine yourself to make sure you're in the faith. And unfortunately, Doug, many professing Christians believe they're saved because of something they did rather than a present reality that they're walking with Christ and. Many have uh, been evangelized with unbiblical methods, such as repeating a sinner's prayer or coming forward in an altar call or raising a hand or signing a card or attending church or believing that they can merit their salvation through good works. And so there are many false converts, and they need to be rescued. They need to be confronted with the truth. and, And that's what our ministry is about, and I'm sure you have the same compassion for those who think they're Christians that
0: have never been born again. Hmm. Well, you know, you talked about growing up in the Roman Catholic church and, and some of the, the dangers I I remember, uh, and I don't know the exact year, but I, I know that there was an agreement signed uh, uh, years ago, probably now almost 30 years ago uh, between evangelicals and Catholics and, If I remember right, wasn't there a part of that that said that we agreed as Protestants not to proselytize Catholics or to share the gospel with them? Or am I confusing that with something else?
1: No, you're absolutely correct. In fact, it actually—the genesis of the Evangelical and Catholics Together movement started in South America because the Catholic Church recognized that the truth was setting many of its people free— they were reading the Bible, and they were going to evangelical and Protestant churches. And so it was the Catholic Church that initiated this, and they contacted Chuck Colson, who his wife was a Catholic, and they together created a document called Evangelicals and Catholics Together in 1994. And it did put the Catholic Church off limits to any more evangelization. The mm-hmm. Catholic Church calls it proselytizing, and so they agreed that the Catholics wouldn't proselytize us, and we wouldn't evangelize Catholics, and so this was a an accord that really put the gospel off limits to 1.2 billion Roman Catholics, and it really grieved me. I had uh, just done a seminary in 1991, and, and then this came out, and there were subsequent accords in 97, and then there was the Manhattan Declaration in 2009, more and more highly visible, highly influential evangelicals signed the Manhattan Declaration, daring to say that we need to join hands, evangelicals, Catholics, and Orthodox, to proclaim the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in its fullness. And this is what really grieves me, because the Orthodox and the Catholics don't have the biblical gospel. So why would evangelical leaders sign an accord stating that together we can proclaim the gospel in its fullness? And there's highly visible evangelicals such as Al Mohler, the president of Southern Seminary, and Mark Bailey, then the president of Dallas Theological Seminary. Over 600,000 evangelicals have now signed the Manhattan Declaration, again, putting the world's largest mission field off limits, the Roman Catholic Church. And so we're standing against these accords because we know that they're false. We know they're misleading. And the truth needs to be told we need to contend for the exclusivity of the gospel It needs to remain pure.
0: I bet John MacArthur didn't sign it, did he?
1: (laughs) Where would we be without the clarion voice of John MacArthur? (laughs) He stood against the ECT movement in 1994, and um, him and R.C. Sproul were two of the uh, major leading evangelicals that said, no, we cannot have unity with Catholics. We... We have a gospel that's antithetical to the gospel of the Catholic Church. And if your listeners need to know how different it is, Catholics are heavily burdened by what they must do in order to be saved. They have to be baptized. They have to do good works. They have to obey the law as a requirement for salvation. And we know Scripture says that puts them under a curse, because James said if you keep the whole law perfectly and stumble at one part, you're guilty of breaking the entire law. But they must attend the sacrifice of the Mass, which is continuing the work of redemption that Jesus finished on the cross. And then they must believe that in the end they will have to suffer in purgatory for the venial sins that they committed. By the way, Doug, that's uh, a lie that's been perpetuated from the Garden of Eden. Remember, Satan said, if you disobey God, you surely shall not die. Well, that's the Catholic Church teaching on venial sins. These are lesser sins that do not cause death. Hmm. So we know from Scripture all sins are mortal. The soul that sins will surely die. So the Catholic Church, in fact, John MacArthur says purgatory is a safety net for Catholics. They don't believe they're committing mortal sins, only venial sins, and they may have to spend a little time in purgatory, but they will eventually get to heaven according to the Catholic religion. So this religion needs to be exposed not only as an apostate religion, but also a religion that is under divine condemnation for distorting the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm speaking from Galatians 1, 6 to 9, where Paul said, if we or an angel from heaven would preach another gospel, we are to be anathema. And that's a divine condemnation. So we need to rescue Roman Catholics out from their religion that's under the condemnation of God.
0: So as somebody who spent 30 years under that teaching, I just want to clarify again for our listeners, okay? True biblical salvation, now that you know it now, is salvation by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Uh, And that comes through the Word, His Scripture. And, And what you're saying is, that is not taught in the Catholic Church, what I just said. That's not what's taught, correct?
1: Well, you're correct, Doug. In fact, you just quoted the five solas of the Reformation, at least four of them anyway. See, if you were a Catholic in the 16th century, the Catholic Church taught in order to be saved, you were saved by grace plus merit, faith plus works, Christ plus other mediators, according to Scripture plus tradition, for the glory of God and the glory of Mary and the saints. And so the Reformers, having read the Bible and having seen the Gospel and all of its glory and light, they challenged the Catholic Church and said, that is absolutely wrong. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, all for the glory of God alone. And you're right. Next month is October, and we celebrate the 504th anniversary of the Reformation. And unfortunately, many Protestants are forgetting what the Reformers died for. They were brutally murdered and burned at the stake because they would not bend their knee to Rome, because they stood on the truth of the gospel. And now we see the compromise going on. We see evangelicals uniting with Catholics. And we need to put a stop to this. We need to earnestly contend to the faith.
0: Yeah, and purgatory, which you mentioned earlier— Nobody. If you go back and if if you look at early church writing, the early church fathers, I don't I don't think purgatory or something like purgatory was never even mentioned uh, until like what four or five hundred A.D. Is that right? Five ninety six. Yeah.
1: Pope Gregory the First is the one that instituted in five ninety six. So you know, prior to that, uh, the two destinies were heaven or hell. That the Catholic Church again created a safety net for Catholics, and unfortunately, many of them have believed a lie, and we need to confront them lovingly with the truth of scripture
0: well and and I want to remind our listeners what you quoted uh, from Galatians one eight where Paul said, "If even an angel teaches a gospel different than the one we 've taught, let him be cursed, basically, let them be cursed to hell and Boy, that, that is harsh language, but that's Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saying this is why the gospel is so important to get it right. And, and and you know, I, I think we've compromised, not just in the Catholic Church. Like you said earlier, even within Protestant churches, there are people that, I mean, to me, it's just as bad when we teach, you know, that you can raise your hand. You can do this, say this prayer, and we lead people to believe it's not through grace alone, through Christ alone, but some act they do that they end up putting their faith in. And uh, I, I, I see a lot of. Could you speak to that for a second? When did that all start? Where you know when we started doing this? You know this. Uh, I don't. I don't. This easy believism kind of thing where people just say a prayer and they're in there.
1: Yeah, I think it started uh, probably 30 years ago, the compromise of the gospel. And unfortunately, it's uh, really gained momentum now. You know, many pastors are wanting a larger congregation, so they know if they can take the offense of the gospel away, then they'll draw a larger crowd. And the three essentials of the gospel that are often removed to make it more appealing to unbelievers... They all begin with R, and one of them is the righteousness of God. That's included in the gospel. Remember in Romans chapter 10, Paul prayed for the Israelites. They had a zeal for God, but it wasn't based on knowledge. And so they sought to obtain their own righteousness, not knowing God's righteousness requires perfect righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so when you exclude the righteousness of God from the gospel, people believe they can get to heaven on their own goodness and their own good works. But another R that's often left out is repentance. Mm -hmm. Many people simply believe that all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus as a historical figure. You don't have to repent or turn away from your sin. And, you know, the repentance is a change of mind that produces a change in direction. We need to turn from idols and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the third are that's often left out is the resurrection of Christ. You'd be surprised how many gospel tracts I read where it never includes the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, without the resurrection, your faith is futile.
0: Mm. Well, well, I know growing up in the Catholic Church, you were probably taught that uh, when Peter declared at Caesarea Philippi, you are the Christ, and Christ said, you know, basically, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he, he uh, gave him the keys um, to the kingdom, supposedly. That then got translated into the popes having the the authority of God to declare a revelation from God. Could you speak to that a little bit, how that is a, a, a false teaching uh, that Peter— transferred that to the popes and, you know, all throughout time? Because there's a lot of people that believe that, and I know you grew up in it, and, and you now see the truth of that. Could you help people out there who may struggle with that?
1: Yeah, Doug, I'm really glad you asked the question, because Matthew 16:18 is the most critical verse in Roman Catholicism. And what's happening in Matthew 16, Jesus has just asked the question, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, Peter, that was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. So it was a divine revelation to Peter who Jesus is. And then Jesus said, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. And what Peter just did was to make a profession of faith as to who Jesus is. And the only way anyone can enter the church of Jesus Christ is to make that same profession of faith. So the Catholic Church distorts that and declares that Jesus was saying, Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you. But then you go down a few more verses, and Jesus said, before I build my church, I must first go and die for my church. And remember what Peter said, Lord, Lord, may it never be. Mm -hmm. He calls Jesus Lord, and then he rebukes him. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you have in mind the things of men rather than the things of God. So clearly, Jesus was not going to build his church upon a fallible human being like Peter, who had just been pronounced as having the lips of a devil, having in mind the things of men rather than the things of God. And then later on, you see in Acts chapter 2 that Paul had to confront Peter to his face as well because he wasn't acting in line with the truth of the gospel. So clearly, Peter was a fallible man, even though under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he printed infallible words in his epistles. But uh, the Catholic Church builds its whole papacy on this misinterpretation of Matthew sixteen and eighteen.
0: Well, um, and and right, you know, in that same passage, Mike he he talks about giving the keys of the kingdom, and I know in the Ra- Roman Catholic, uh, Catholic tradition. They believe that the pope has the authority to delegate power um, and to change and to pronounce things that are true. Like, uh, you know, they said Mary was without stain of original sin. That was not a biblical teaching in the early church. A pope said that. A lot of people don't know that, Um, you know, that it was a pope who declared that and and made that teaching. So um, did you... When you were in the Catholic Church, did you believe that, too, that the Pope had that kind of divine authority? Yeah, I really
1: did. I was a very devout Roman Catholic. I swallowed everything, hook, line, and sinker. And and so um, we have to recognize that Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to him. And the key that opens the gates of heaven is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. If you get the gospel wrong, then you cannot enter into heaven and so it is the gospel that opens the gates of heaven. And that's why Paul drove a stake in the ground, stating that the gospel must remain pure. Anybody that distorts it is under divine condemnation.
0: Mm. Well, well, one other thing uh, from the Roman Catholic uh, background that I want to ask you about that just a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with, but the the Roman Catholics believe that when they take communion, it actually becomes the body and the blood of Christ, right? That's true. Isn't that what they believe?
1: Yeah, I, I used to believe that. And, uh, oh, it's really upsetting to think that I, I did once believe that, and the Catholics still believe it today. But it's all based, based, again, on a misinterpretation of John chapter 6, where, again, they're following Jesus for the wrong reasons for physical food. But Jesus talks about spiritual nourishment. And one of the best ways to just prove that Jesus was talking about him returning through the miracle of transubstantiation into the inner substance of a wafer is to look at verse 40 and verse 54. Both verses end up in eternal life. One is to eat and drink. The other is to behold and believe. Mm -hmm. So we must ask Catholics, what if you behold and believe, but you don't eat and drink? Are you saved because both of them promise eternal life? Or what if you eat and drink that you don't behold and believe? So the only way to harmonize these two verses is to take one literal and one figurative. Hmm. But it is the biggest blasphemy that there is on this earth today to worship a piece of bread, a Eucharist, and declare it to be Almighty God, returning at the beck and call of the priest to continue the work of redemption on an altar that he finished on the cross. That is pure blasphemy. It's idolatry. And we need to warn Roman Catholics, just as the Israelites created a golden calf to worship the true God that delivered them out of Egypt, God put 3,000 to death because he hates idolatry. And to worship the Eucharist as the almighty God in Christ who now sits at the right hand of the Father. By the authority of Scripture, we know it can't be Jesus, because in Hebrews 928 Jesus said, "I will return a second time and not in relation to sin." So that clearly shows that the Eucharist is a false Christ, and Catholics need to come out of that false religion that worships Christ in idolatry. And I hope your listeners take this to heart that we need to rescue Roman Catholics and to show them that the Christ of the Catholic Church is not the Christ
0: of the Bible. Hmm. And I, I want to uh, let you know, and Mike, you know what I just realized? I've actually used one of your tracks before, and I didn't even know it was your track, believe it or not. Uh, somebody, I, I got it I don't know, years ago when I went to, I think, a Spain, and it's Roman Catholicism, Scripture versus Tradition. Uh, and if you want to get... Uh, some tracks. Uh, he, he has tracks like that one, uh, Rome versus the Bible. And uh, you, if you go to his website, proclaimingthegospel.org, and just go to store and go to tracks and booklets, he's got that. Again, he's got articles on there. He's got the DVDs. Uh, and and Mike, just to clarify, your DVDs, are they a DVD of you teaching this somewhere, this teaching on false converts Witnessing, are, are yes, you... I'm doing. Go ahead.
1: I'm doing conferences, and so it includes all the PowerPoint slides and the keynote slides. So it's an excellent um, DVD to bring home and share in a Bible study. Invite people over. That's how we began our ministry 31 years ago. Inviting people over to share a gospel video, and within three months, we saw 17 Roman Catholics exchange their religion for a relationship with Christ, and so. I also would like to share that I've written a book called Preparing for Eternity, Mm. and what I do in this book is I contrast biblical teaching with Roman Catholic teaching. It forces the Catholic to make a decision. Should I trust Christ in His Word or the teachings and traditions of my religion? Mm. I lay them side by side. It's impossible to believe both. This book has set so many Roman Catholics free from the bondage of religious deception. So if you know any Catholic friends or loved ones, this book would be an excellent resource for you to not only read and learn how to witness to them, but also to give to the Catholics so that they can know the truth.
0: And he has another book called Contending for the Gospel, which is uh, basically, uh, real quick, Mike, we only have a couple of minutes left, uh, about the exclusivity that people don't want. You know, we talked about the ecumenical-minded people with uh, Roman Catholicism, but we see that ecumenical mindset with progressives and other people where we're basically compromising the the gospel, the good news, to accommodate people, uh, it, and contending for the gospel deals with that, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it really does. That's why I wrote the, the book, because I see the gospel being compromised not only among Catholics, but also among Protestants. And We really need to focus again on the biblical gospel. It is exclusive. It dares to say that the road is narrow that leads to life. Very few find it. And every other gospel that does not conform to the gospel of the scriptures needs to be rejected. And We need to warn people who are embracing a false and fatal gospel. We need to lovingly confront them with the truth. And so that's why I wrote this book. It deals with everything that you've shared, along with the ecumenical movement. So more than ever, we need to be mindful of the exhortation given in Jude 3, to earnestly, not passively, but earnestly contend to the faith. And, Doug, you know it's only going to get worse. The apostasy is going to increase. More and more people will fall away to a false Christianity. And the Bible says in the end times there will be a global religion and I believe the catalyst of that global religion is the Roman Catholic Church, and they're seeking to unite all professing Christians under the power and influence of the Pope. And we need to contend against that. So mm-hmm. hopefully, your listeners will do that.
0: Well, and I know you got a you got a great uh, article on your website about the ABCs of effect, this effective witnessing to Catholics. That's another good resource. Again, there's lots of articles on there, but just to to, to kind of close out with what you were just talking about as, as we move further into the end times and the closeness of Christ's return, there is going to be a one world religion. And, you know, I've been surprised and, and like I said, we only got one minute left, but the, how uh, the current Pope has been reaching out, not only to uh, evangelicals, but also to Muslims to other people like, uh, I mean, shamans, (laughs) I mean, like people, Hindus. And, I mean, like, it's interesting to me that uh, there's been such an effort to be inclusive to all these people.
1: Well, you're so right. Maybe we could do another show because I also have an article on my website, The Convergence of Islam and Roman Catholicism. I give ten common bonds between these two religions and how one day they will be united through apparitions of Mary.
0: Well, man, maybe I could get you back on in October sometime. I would love to do that, and we could just talk about that, (laughs) okay? Let's do it. All right. Hey, well, guys, listen, one last time, ProclaimingTheGospel.org, and uh, Michael Gendron, and Michael, thank you so much for taking time out uh, from being up there at the G3. Tell all those guys we said hi. And, folks, if you want some good resources about dealing with apostasy, dealing with uh, Roman Catholics, go to Mike's website. Again, it's proclaimingthegospel.org. In fact, if you want Mike to come speak or do a conference, you can go there and uh, email him, and I'm sure he'd love to come share personally with you. So, Mike, thank you. I pray you have a great week up there, and uh, thank you again for your ministry, brother. Well, Jack,
1: thank you so much for having me on. And again, you can call us at 817-379-5300. God bless you and keep standing for the
0: truth. All right, we will. Hey, if you want to listen to this or any past broadcast, go to www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. I know we've had some problems, but we're we're about got them all worked out. So you should be able to listen to this and past programs on there. If you want to contact us, go to at SWAT Radio Talk on Facebook. If we'll you be back a tomorrow. Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety